0: Welcome, and thank you for joining this podcast brought to you by the American Heart Association. The association's Digital Digest series features a range of podcasts and videos focused on the latest resuscitation science topics. Hi there, and thank you for joining me today. My name is Ryan Morgan. I'm a pediatric intensivist and resuscitation scientist at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia and University of Pennsylvania School of Medicine. I'm also the vice chair of the AHA's Emergency Cardiovascular Care Pediatric Emphasis Group. I'm joined today by my colleague, Dr. Alexis Topshin. I'm speaking today with my colleague, Dr. Alexis Topshin, who is the chair and lead author of the AHA Pediatric Basic and Advanced Life Support Guidelines. Alexis, thanks for joining us.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: So let's get right into it. What are these AHA 2020 Pediatric Guidelines? Why is it important to the AHA, to the scientific community, or to the general public?
1: So the AHA 2020 Pediatric Guidelines are a summary of the latest global resuscitation science and treatment recommendations, and this is an update of five years' worth of science, and so it's pretty exciting to be able to release it. The guidelines are considered a gold standard with regard to clinical recommendations based on science and the practice of resuscitation, um, not only in North America, but really around the world.
0: And how are these recommendations in the guidelines drafted? What evidence is incorporated, and and what's the process that these are based on?
1: The recommendations are derived um, in a couple of ways um, during the process. The first is that they align with the International Liaison Committee on Resuscitation, Consensus on Science, and Treatment Recommendations. Um, And this is a really in-depth process um, where specific questions are asked, science is reviewed, and then treatment recommendations are made. The second process was where evidence updates were initiated by the American Heart Association, which were specifically relevant for our North American audience. And from those treatment recommendations, through those evidence review processes, we were able to make our guidelines.
0: So as a pediatric intensivist who cares for critically ill children, I think about these guidelines and use them frequently, and I've been looking forward to this 2020 iteration. But tell us, who is the target audience for the AHA pediatric guidelines? Who other than pediatric intensivists or emergency physicians like me should really be on the lookout for this?
1: So I think what's fantastic about the guidelines is they encompass a really broad scope of providers. We look at an audience of healthcare policy personnel, hospital and EMS administrators, as well as researchers. We want to hit clinicians with these, such as emergency medicine physicians, intensivists nurses, as well as out-of-hospital providers as EMS personnel and systems. Really, the goal of these is to be the foundation so that these systems can take these guidelines and then interpret them into their own protocols to provide emergency care and resuscitation. I should also note that we touch on how to provide lay rescuer CPR. So this is the foundation of how EMS systems will guide just regular bystanders every day in how to provide CPR to out-of-hospital cardiac arrest victims.
0: Great. So it seems like these guidelines are really pertinent to a lot of providers and lay people. What is the AHA doing to implement these guidelines in a way that folks can understand and how is it affecting the training materials and other materials that the AHA puts out?
1: That's a great question, Ryan. So educational and training materials such as BLS for healthcare providers or Pediatric Advanced Life Support will be developed by the American Heart Association's ECC programs and based on the previous guidelines and focus updates. Once the 2020 guidelines are published, the ECC training materials, courses, and programs, as well as products, are going to be updated to reflect the most current science, as well as the most up-to-date best practices in resuscitation education.
0: So this is a lengthy document, these pediatric guidelines. Is there anything that you can give highlights in terms of key updates or new science that was reviewed that our listeners can take with them before they get a chance to look at the document itself?
1: Thanks, Ryan. I'm really excited to share some of the new updates that we have in the guidelines. So first, um, we have changed our recommendation for assisted ventilation during CPR and rescue breathing, um, which has been increased to one breath every two to three seconds or 20 to 30 breaths per minute for all pediatric resuscitation scenarios. Secondly, we've had data that really highlights the importance of early epinephrine administered during cardiac arrest So we're looking towards for recommendations to administer epinephrine as soon as possible, which is ideally within five minutes of the start of the resuscitation for non-shockable rhythms such as asystole and PEA. We've also updated our algorithms and visual aids. So this time around, we have an addition of a sixth ring to our chain of survival, which focuses on recovery which highlights that the resuscitation for the patient is really ongoing even after discharge from the hospital and really relies on the community and other providers to have survivors go on to live the most meaningful life they possibly can. We've also added a new chain of survival for in-hospital cardiac arrest for infants, children, and adolescents. We've highlighted that opioid-associated resuscitations, um, emergency algorithms are now present for lay rescuers and trained rescuers. And this stems from adult data but is really relevant in our current climate. And then we've added a checklist for pediatric post-cardiac arrest care, which really also highlights the importance of ongoing resuscitation after the cardiac arrest event is completed. So additional recommendations for the 2020 guidelines are focusing on the management of opioid overdose, which both includes CPR, but also the addition of timely administration of naloxone by either lay rescuers or trained rescuers. We're also focusing on a titrated approach to fluid management with the administration of epinephrine or norepinephrine infusions if vasopressors are needed in patients who are being resuscitated from septic shock. Finally, for our chain of survival, we've expanded from a five-ring chain to a six-ring chain of survival with a focus on recovery and long-term outcomes for our survivors of cardiac arrest.
0: And where can our listeners actually find these guidelines?
1: These guidelines are gonna be released in circulation and in pediatrics. For scientists who have access to PubMed, you can find them there. But once they're in circulation, you can actually Google and should be able to have access to them for your resource.
0: I'd like to thank Dr. Alexis Topshen for joining us today. Be on the lookout for the Pediatric Basic and Advanced Life Support Guidelines from the AHA.
1: Thanks for having me, Ryan. It'll be exciting to see these guidelines be interpreted into practice to improve outcomes from cardiac arrest in the future.
0: Views expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the American Heart Association and the American Stroke Association. For transcripts of this podcast and more information about resuscitation science, please visit CPR.heart.org or engage with us via social media using hashtag ECC Digital Digest.